We are back. We are back to the Slapshot Sammy podcast. This is season two. And as I sit here burning the crap out of my mouth with this super hot tea, I am so happy to be back for season two. We are coming to you from Dallas, Texas. That's right. The move is official. We are down here working with the stars, and I'm super excited to get this going for season two. So today we're going to talk mostly about the stars. Uh, there's plenty to talk about as we recap what's happened you know, over the first 36, 37 games and see what's ahead for them here as we sit on January 20th, 2022. So let's jump in first and let's recap a little bit what's going on with this team. So as we came into the season this year, expectations were extremely high. There's no secret with that. Um, The depth they had on their team after Matt Holtby, Raffle, the additions they made in the summer, and... You know, the big one with Suter coming in was was a little bit of a surprise with bringing... They knew they needed to bring in a defenseman when Alexiak was drafted to the Seattle Kraken. But a lot of people weren't sure that Suter was, you know, he's 37 years old, so people were worried about him getting a four-year extension. Dallas looked like the only team that was going to give him that, and that's what he wanted since he's a he's a long time. You know, he's in, he was on the Nashville Predators for about eight years and then was on the Minnesota Wild for nine years. So... At his age, he wants to bring his family, he wants to settle down. He doesn't want to get sign a one-year deal. So he signs with Dallas for four years. And then Luke Glenn Denning is the other one they bring in, um, along with Yanni Hockenpah, who, um, you know, after the Suter signing, there was the rest of them were kind of underlying. But uh, as the season's gone on here, some of them have been, you know, even bigger signings for them. So we'll jump into that, um, you know, as we get further into the specific season. But the expectations were so high. Tyler Sagan returning from injury, Alexander Radulov returning from injury, possibly Ben Bishop returning from injury, players that were you know be having nagging injuries like Rope Hintz and Rodak Foxa, uh, Anton Hudobin, all these people were going to be fully healthy. They had a full training camp. Things were looking good. However, that's not how the season began. Um, there were struggles, plenty of them, very mediocre beginning to the season. It seemed like they would get on. They would lose a few. Then they would get on a run, maybe two or three wins. Then they would lose a few. Uh, finally, towards uh, the end of November or the middle of November, they jump on a seven-game winning streak. Things seem like they're finally figured out. Everyone's playing well. Uh, but then, as soon as they, as soon as the streak came, it disappeared. They're up four to two in Vegas in the third, midway through the third period, about to break the record for the longest franchise winning streak with eight games. And they collapse, end up losing that game in regulation to Vegas, and end up losing six or seven in a row uh, from that point. So backing up here, we started the season with uh, Holpe as the starter. He jumped in in the preseason, outplayed Ottinger and Hudobin as Bishop was still recovering from his injury. Um, And Holpe began the season playing fantastic. Um, Hudobin struggled a little bit. He was three and three with some pretty low numbers and Holpe was keeping the, or, you know, playing solid and allowing them to win the, the few games they were winning early on. Then Hudobin, like I said, was struggling. So they decide to hope he gets hurt. Uh, there's a little bit lower body injury. He starts not playing as well for a couple games. And then we find out that he was dealing with an injury. So they decided to hang him up for a couple weeks and let him rest. They bring in the youngster, Jake Ottinger, who got all of his experience last year 
um, as uh, you know the backup or one A one B with Hudobin in the shortened season. And Ottinger plays fantastic. He's he dominates especially on home ice, wins a ton of games, uh, has a great record. His numbers he led the NHL in every num every goaltending stat for a few weeks. Him and Holpe, Holpe comes back in. Holpe plays well. So now all of a sudden, the Stars have one of the best duos in the league. And they're winning some games, like I said, on that winning streak. Um, however, things got a little bumpy. They lose six or seven in a row. And then things really started to get interesting. So the goaltending situation, we'll, we'll break that down first. Uh, coming into the season, the goaltending situation was probably the biggest question mark. Uh, you know, you have Ben Bishop, who has won the Vesna or has been a Vesna finalist. He's gotten to the Stanley Cup final. He's got some of the best numbers in the league since he joined. However, he's dealt with an injury nearly every season that he's began, and especially since he joined Dallas, where, you know, he's, his injuries weren't just minor. They were long-term lower body injuries for the most part that kept him out for a long time and seemingly always at the worst time. You know, they're they're safely in a, in a playoff spot a few years back. I believe it was 2017, uh, maybe 2016. And they uh, lose seven straight after he goes down, miss the playoffs. Then jumping into the into the bubble of 2020, he ends up getting hurt, not able to play. And Hudobin has to lead the charge, you know, during the, what was a magical run. But we weren't sure what was going to happen with Bishop. So we go into the season with Holpe and Hudobin as the guys. Ottinger drops back down to the AHL. He played well, but he's able to drop back and forth from the AHL and NHL without requiring waivers on his uh, entry-level contract. So they decide to take that chance and say, let's trust the two veterans and let Ottinger get some games down there um, and see what happens. So again, Hudobin struggles, Ottinger comes in, plays well. So now all of a sudden the, the, it seems like, okay, it's Ottinger and and uh, Holpe. So Hudobin kind of sitting around practicing. Stars are, are having three goalies on their roster, which is super rare uh, in the NHL. And then all of a sudden we get the news that Anton Hudobin is going to be placed on waivers. And, you know, while that was surprising, it in a way it wasn't as well because we knew that they couldn't keep carrying these three guys, you know, um, Ottinger's the future. He's not going anywhere. Holpe was playing extremely well. So Hudobin was the odd man out. And he's got a big contract. I believe it's $3.3 million, uh, around there f- up until not uh, the end of next season. So they knew that he most likely would... Something needed to change. So he clears waivers, which was as expected. You know, no one's going to take a risk on that contract of a goalie who struggled all year. And he ends up going and playing in Texas with the Texas Stars. Meanwhile, Ottinger and Hudo, or Ottinger and Holpe continue playing well. The team still struggling a little bit. Uh, a few wins here and there. The the general consensus of the season has been mediocrity. I mean, they're 18, 16, and 2 um, through 36 games. So it's just been win here, lose there, win here, lose there, win here a little bit more, lose there a little bit more, and and back and forth. So uh, we get down to that point, and I believe it only a few days later, after Hudobin clears waivers and drops down to the AHL, Ben Bishop gets activated to the American Hockey League and loaned on a conditioning stint to the American Hockey League. For Stars fans, for the Stars organization, this is massive because he hasn't gone anywhere in years. He hasn't played. Uh, all of last season was just 
hopefully he's ready to come back. No, he's not. Just kidding. He's never going to come back this season. The year before that, the whole bubble, he came back for one game and ended up getting hurt again and not playing. So it's been a while since any news came about. So this was taken as good news, right? He's getting loaned to the AHL. He's going to test out the leg, the knee, see if it works. They might get him back, right? He goes down to the AHL, plays one game, gets scored on. I believe he, he let up six goals on 20 shots, something like that. Didn't play very well. Uh, but the point wasn't to see him play well. He hasn't played in, in a, forever. So just the point was just to see how he holds up in game action. Unfortunately, a day or two later, the Stars call a press conference with Bishop. He comes in and he announces that he's going to be retiring. So the knee didn't react well to the game. Uh, it turns out that he just has such severe damage to his cartilage that he's just getting bone on bone contact throughout the game. And it's just not worth it at this point for him to continue rehabbing and trying. So he, he quote unquote retires. He ends his playing career. Um, he stays on contract until the end of his contract, which I believe is the end of next season. Um, if not the year, the year after that, but you know, a sad day. So all of a sudden the stars, if you look back, in 20, uh, Hudobin signed on to back up Bishop a few years ago. And for two seasons, the Stars have the best goaltending in the league, argue, arguably, but I believe the best goaltending in the league. They have Bishop, who plays, you know, a little bit more than Hudobin, has extremely high numbers. And then Hudobin comes in in his familiar backup role and is able to relieve the uh, Bishop, so he doesn't have to play as many games. He can kind of rest his legs. You know, he's obviously injury prone, but even more important, he comes into those back-to-back nights and those three games and four nights and those really tough challenges, and is able to get the Stars wins when they need it most. Now, going from that, all of a sudden, now both of those goalies are done. You know, Anton Hudobin is no longer in the NHL. He's playing in the minor league, and Ben Bishop has to retire. So it was a big drop. Um, you know, it was sad to see Bishop saying goodbye to the game. He's going to stay around the team. He's been around the rink the last few weeks uh, or months since he since he made that announcement. And he's going to be a big part of, of the NHL, if not the Stars, the NHL in general, for the future. He's going to work for a team. Um, he'll work as you know with the Stars until his contract is over, and then he'll definitely stay around the game. Uh, for Hudobin you know, you weren't really sure what was going to happen. You thought, okay, does he get traded? But who would take a trade for him? Are they going to get anything in return? Do they just waive him and hope somebody picks him up? Um, you know, do they buy out his contract? Not really sure what was going to happen there. So let's fast forward. Since then, situation hasn't changed a whole lot. The only difference is that Hudobin did end up coming back up only because Holpe got stuck in COVID protocol, which we'll dive into in a second with all the COVID situation. But Holpe goes into COVID protocol last week. Hudobin gets called up, backs up Ottinger for a couple games, and then gets his first start since November against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Actually plays pretty well. Um, They lose to Tampa. What else is new? But he plays pretty well. Holpe now comes back. He's healthy. Hudobin's back down into the minor leagues. So, uh, Or he might be on the taxi squad, technically, since I think they're allowed to continue carrying him. Uh, but he's no longer with the team, skating with the team, and and uh, you know, playing uh, on the roster. So now we're looking at the Hopi and Ottinger duo. Ottinger sees his first, you know, real real struggles this past week. He's lost three in a row. 
He's been pulled in two of his last three starts, uh, including this last Tuesday against the Montreal Canadiens. So things are bumpy in goal. Um, lucky to have Holpe back. He's going to get a start tonight for the first time uh, in, a, in a while, and they really need that to be solidified again in order to get back to, to where they were when they were winning a lot of games. So from there, let's jump into the COVID situation. So, you know, as we've been talking about since the beginning of this podcast, because it started smack in the middle of COVID, COVID is an issue in in every in the whole world. But specifically, of course, what we really f- notice is in sports where we see it, you know, affecting lineups, affecting games. Um, it postponed some games and had some issues in the NFL this year. The NHL has seen it really bad, uh, especially right around Christmas time. It really started to blow up. Um, some teams had it earlier. Uh, the Stars didn't get their issues until right around Christmas when they saw six total games postponed. Didn't play for what felt like four weeks. Uh, had 11 players on the, on the COVID protocol. They were practicing with 10 guys, uh, not able to play games, not able to get a whole lot of things going on. They finally get out of that, right? The next time they play a game, Everyone is cleared. They're all back. Just as they play one game against the Seattle Kraken, all of a sudden people start dropping right back into uh, into the COVID protocol. So, you know, it was nice to have whatever one game of, of health. Um, but now, luckily, this time was a lot less. They only had, uh, I believe, four players total jump into protocol this time instead of 11. So they're still able to play games. Um, they were missing a sec- Andre Sekera. Holpe was one of them. Uh, Radulov was one of them. Gurionov was one of them. And don't, I think that's it. Um, so, you know, a lot better this time around, which is good. They're still able to play their games. They're still able to get a pretty full practice in, just calling up a couple of youngsters to play in those games but still affecting them to this point. And, uh, you know, some of them have struggled a little bit since they come back. Gurionov has uh, only played one game since he came back, but apparently his lungs were burning and, um, you know, things were tough. So we've seen that from a few players where they're not able to come back in full swing. You know, they they come back, but they're not fully back for a little while. And some people even longer. I mean, Hudobin took almost a full year to really recover from it. So, Likely that won't be that wasn't the first and that won't be the last of COVID this season. Uh, Canada is dealing with its own problems up there, so we're hoping for the best. Uh, the good news, I, if you want to call it that, uh, as of late, is the NHL made an announcement they're going to stop testing asymptomatic players. So you'll only be tested if you're showing symptoms, which will stop. I mean, it'll lower the test positive test results. I don't know. I don't know where that goes from there. I don't know if it's better to have positive players playing if they're not symptomatic I don't really know you know where that will go but it shows that the NHL is trying its best to get back to normalcy and we all want it we all want the normalcy so um, we'll just have to see what happens there so let's finish up with uh, with schedule before we jump into some you know some big topics here uh, so for the schedule like I said they had po- games postponed as of now they have finally, rescheduled those games so the stars have six games rescheduled they will be played in february because the nhl as we know has opted out of playing in the olympics in beijing which was a very very good decision Um, very sad for the players that wanted to go but going all the way to china being stuck in their hotel room not being able to see other events not having family there playing in front of empty arenas playing at 2 a.m 
you know, our time or in the America over here, it just would have been a huge risk. And then I think they started releasing the, uh, the news of how long they would have to stay in country if they tested positive. And it was like two, two weeks you'd have to stay in, uh, in China before you're able to travel back home if you tested positive while you were at the Olympics. So an obvious decision that we kind of knew was coming, especially after the world juniors got canceled. Um, so since that happened, the schedule is now updated where the original three week break in February will now feature a ton of postponed games. And for the stars, uh, when I say a ton, I mean a ton. They have a lot. Uh, they play, you know, three games and four nights here, a couple of back-to-backs, uh, a bunch of home games, and they're going to be playing a lot of games in February. So, which is great for uh, for their fans and for you know uh, people that want to see a lot of games. Uh, for the team, it's it's going to be tough. However, if you remember correctly, this team went through four games and six nights every week last year after having. T- two different postponements uh, due to the storm and COVID. So if there's any team that's ready to do this, it's the stars. And uh, it, you'll see a lot of catch up, um, not just on your hot dog, but also in the standings because the stars now have only played 36 games. And you're looking at the standings, you're seeing Vegas, LA, Anaheim, uh, San Jose, Vancouver, Chicago, Colorado, St. Louis, Nashville that have all played over 37 games. Some of them have played 42 games. So the Stars are down at least three or four games, if not five or six to some of these teams. So you're going to see them catch up with that. And, you know, while games in hand are great, Rick Bonus says all the time, it's great to have the games in hand. It's great to see that you have a chance to make up ground, but you have to win those games in hand. And right now the Stars aren't doing a whole lot of winning. Um, They've lost three in a row. They've lost seven in a row on the road. They have the one of the worst road records in the league at 4-12-1. Um, and even though they have one of the best home records with 14-4-1, they just lost to the 32nd place Montreal Canadiens at home on Tuesday uh, ahead of their four-game road trip on the East Coast. So a huge lost opportunity there for them to pick up some, some seriously needed points. Now they're going to have to go do it on the road uh, against four teams, you know, that are are struggling in the uh, Detroit Red Wings, Philadelphia Flyers, New Jersey Devils, and Buffalo Sabers. However, like I just said, they just lost to the Canadians at home uh, with a fully rested lineup and a day off in between. Now they're going to have to go play double back-to-back sets against those four teams. So it's a challenge that they're going to have um, coming ahead here, and. The big thing for them right now uh, that I see and that the, the team has kind of talked about is just getting a little dirtier around the net. So it's no surprise the Dallas Stars struggle to score goals. They always have. Uh, they've only scored 102 goals in 36 games. They're towards the bottom of the league uh, in goals per game. They're also towards the middle of the league in goals against per game, which is not usual for them. They're used to being up there in the top two to three, uh, you know, with the Islanders and the Bruins and the regular teams that are up there. Um, so they're not they're just not playing as the normal Dallas Stars. However, even if they were, they're still not scoring goals. And a lot of these games that they're losing, they're losing on big mistakes. So let's take Montreal game, the Montreal game, for example. They have 101 
to 107, the numbers kind of vary, shot attempts against the Canadians. They have 51 shots on goal. They hit six posts and lose the game 5-3. to three. The Canadians have 22 shots and score five goals. Now, the biggest thing in that game, besides the fact that they had far enough chances to score seven goals and win the game, was that the shots on goal for the Canadians came as golden opportunities because they would, Dallas would have the puck for one to two minutes in the offensive zone, and then all of a sudden Klingberg would fall down at the, at the blue line or something, and all of a sudden it was a three-on-one the other way. Uh, or Gurionov loses the puck at the blue line on the power play, and it's a shorthanded two-on-one or a shorthanded breakaway or um, just golden chances. And those can be fixed by focus, in my mind. That is a, we just need to be smarter with our puck management. We need to focus more on making the little the smart play, and that can be fixed re- relatively quickly. That's more of a mindset thing uh, than a uh, structure or skill thing. So let's take the opposite. Let's go to the offense. The Stars have been at the bottom, near the bottom of the league almost every season since, uh, basically since Lindy Ruff left um, in goal scoring. And while you don't have to be at the top, you don't have to be scoring as many goals as the Colorado Avalanche are scoring, but, or the Florida Panthers, I should say, but you need to be up there in the top, let's say 15 to 10. Um, in order to have success, because this is a higher scoring league than it used to be in the sense of the last few years, not looking back. Obviously, they scored a heck of a lot more goals back in the day with, you know, Gretzky and all those guys. But people are scoring some goals. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, the Florida Panthers have scored, the Colorado Avalanche have 158 goals. Uh, the Florida Panthers have 159 goals. The these teams that are scoring, you know, four or five goals a game are winning a lot of games. Now, when it comes to playoffs, things change a little bit, which is why the Stars had success in 2020 because they didn't score a lot of goals until and then their goal scoring got a little bit better, but their defense also won them a lot of games. So here's the situation, though. You're going into, you know, getting near the halfway point of the season. You're not scoring goals. You're not defending very well. What do they need to do? And as I said before, what I see, uh, you know, from the press box and what the team has repeatedly said in interviews, the coach has said, is let's get a little bit dirtier here. Let's go to the tough areas. Let's push on their opposing goalie a little bit. Let's push on their defense a little bit. Let's forecheck a little bit and just get some pucks to the net. Because honestly, the goals that you need in games where it's a two to one grinding game or a one nothing game, those aren't usually the high flying, you know, triple tic tac toe pass goal. It's the off the shin guard goal. It's the bounce off your skate goal. It's the tip in front with a screen. So that's what I see missing most from this team is when they're scoring and they're playing well, they're going to those areas. You know, you look at a game like uh, the game against the Penguins, they're down two nothing to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then all of a sudden, you just see a little bit of them getting to the Penguins goalie. Penguins goalie pushing off a little bit, getting a little angry at them. They're in his face a little bit. They're spraying him. They're they're getting sticks on him. They're pushing him a little bit. They're pushing on their defense. They're throwing a few more hits. Things just look dirtier. You can see it. It's visible in the game. And that's what they need to do because now all of a sudden they come back, they score three goals in that, you know, in that third period or second, third period, and they win that game. And what I saw a lot of in the Montreal game was outside 
chances. They're taking pucks around the net. They're taking shots and there's not a rebound. They're, they're shooting and missing the net. Um, so I think they just need to get a little bit dirtier with how they play their game. And honestly, just show the grit that you want to score these goals. You know, Tyler Sagan is a perfect example. He was struggling, still is technically, to up to his standard, struggling offensively. And what did he do? He started going to the to the crease. He started getting in those dirty areas. I don't think he shot a puck past the goalie for his first six or seven goals of the season. And all of them were bounced off his leg or off his hip or a rebound in front or whatever it was. But he wasn't getting the high-quality chances. So we went to the dirty areas, and he got himself goals otherwise. I think that's how the team needs to look at it. Because you start doing that, and all of a sudden, those plays start opening up. You know, you look at their top line of Hintz, Pavelski, and Robertson, who have been fantastic all year around, all year long. Um, the best line, one of the best lines in the league. Clearly the best line on the team. And some of their goals are those high-flying goals, where Rope Hintz burns by people and scores, or Pavelski makes a great pass to Robertson on the back door, whatever it is. But then you look at the games that are a little bit tighter and watch Tyler Sagan get a goal off his skate. And then all of a sudden, the next thing, he gets a pass and he's got a lane to take a shot because now they're packing a little bit more. The defense is thinking a little bit more. You're hitting them on the forecheck. They're looking over their shoulder when they're going back for the puck. It just changes how the game is played. And it's a simple cliche of get the pucks deep and forecheck, get to the dirty areas, get pucks on net, get bodies to the net. But it's true, and that's why it's such a simple cliche. So for the Stars, going into this road trip right now, they start tonight against Buffalo. These teams are struggling. These teams do not have a whole lot of elite talent. These team, a lot of, the, but most of these teams have poor goaltending. Get to those areas, work hard, and get some goals. I mean, I've never seen a team that need more needs a dominant win, and I don't, I don't mean dominant. They don't need to score ten goals. Uh, but they need a five nothing win or win five to one win, where they're comfortably in front. They score early, they score often, they're comfortably in front, and they just smother the other team offensively. They need it for their points, they need it for their goal scoring, they need it for their defense, and they need it for their confidence mentally going forward. So that's what we're going to look for tonight uh, against Buffalo and going forward against these other three teams on this road trip. So let's move away from the team performance right now and let's go into what has been one of the biggest you know, news of the year, which is John Klingberg. John Klingberg's contract ends at the end of this season. He's scheduled to become an unrestricted free agent. He's got the end of a seven-year term in which he was making basically no money. Uh, he was getting paid about half what the big names in the NHL of defensemen are getting paid now. And that's because he knew that he wanted to stay in Dallas. He wanted security for a long-term deal. And he knew that he hadn't yet really proven uh, that he was elite. So he was happy with it. It kept him in Dallas, gave him plenty of chances to go to the playoffs. And now he's proven that he's elite. You know, this season has been a little up and down. But for the most part, John Klingberg is an elite offensive defenseman who can also play pretty sound defensively. So going into the season, things are tight in the budget, right? I mentioned the the signings they had. Next year, they're going to have to bring to extend some players like Denis Gurionov. Uh, Joe Pavelski and Alexander Rajlov's contracts come to an end, and you're not really. Or Jake Ottinger needs to get a, a new deal, and you're not really sure. Okay, 
can we sign him? What, where's the money here? Like, let's say Pavelski and Radulov's deals are both, you know, they let him go, uh, which with Pavelski's, you know, talent lately would be hard to believe. But it still doesn't open up a whole lot of money. And Klingberg announced early in the preseason, if not even before that, that he was looking for something in the area of $65 million. So he's looking for something in the area of, of that $65, $66 million, seven to eight-year term. The stars know two things. One, that's a lot of money. And there are they already just re-signed Haskin into a long-term extension last year or last summer. And they know, okay, Klingberg is going to turn 30 by the time his contract is signed in the summer. Yes, he's proven that he's elite, but is he someone who we see as elite till 38? Is he someone we want to pay that, that big of an, an amount that long? Or... Is he someone that, hey, if we can get a bridge deal here where we give you three or four years for that amount of money, maybe per year, or on the flip side, we take you for that seven years that you want because you want that security, but we lower that number a little bit. Uh, And I think the stars see it in that way. I think that as a team and as an organization, they don't want to pay him what he wants. And that has been backed up by the fact that those negotiations that we're, we're began, beginning before the season even started are still going and things were kind of just going along. And as it is with a, with a contract like that, you never know when it's going to happen. You know, you forget about it a little bit. You think, okay, let the season go. Let's see where we are at the end. See if we're going to sign him, see what's going to happen. But all of a sudden some rumors start to come out. Klingberg demanding trade. Klingberg wants out. And you know, Mike Heike of the, of the Dallas stars asked the question and said, What's the situation here? We're hearing things. What's going on on your end? And Klingberg was straight up. He answered the question. Basically, the situation is that he doesn't want out of Dallas. He wants to re-sign in Dallas. He's been a Dallas star his whole life. He wants to stay. However, it seems like the team has not necessarily treated him very well with the negotiations. And what I mean by that is negotiations have been quiet. So from this is from Klingberg. What he's saying is that he and his agent have basically done what they can to move the numbers around, move the term around, figure out a way for us to resign. And things have been quiet from Dallas and they haven't been doing on their end what Klingberg and his agent are doing on his end. So that was a few weeks ago. That was back. Uh, I believe that was in December when I first started circling. Then early January, things pick up again, where now people are reporting that the stars have, progressed on moving Klingberg. So now, as of lately, the last couple weeks, it sounds like they want to get rid of Klingberg uh, in a trade. And whether that means actually want, you know, they don't want to get rid of him, I'm assuming. They like Klingberg, he's a great player, but it sounds like it's more of a distraction than they want. And they know that they're not going to re-sign him, so maybe they're looking at getting a trade for him where... They can get rid of some salary, maybe get a roster player to help them, you know, up front offensively and get some prospects as well as, you know, preparing themselves for the trade deadline. Let's say the team's right there on the, in the playoff hunt at the trade deadline and they got rid of Klingberg before. Now they maybe they have some money to pick up somebody they need for the playoff run. On the flip side, you just lost one of your best defensemen for the potential playoff run. So it's a really tricky situation. 
Uh, they have the youngster Thomas Harley, who they believe will be a similar player to to the Haskinens and Klingbergs, who are, you know, very offensively uh, talented. But he's young. He's only played a few games in the NHL. He's he's not proven what he can do. Um, he's he showed what you know that he is has that capability in the minor leagues. But it's a whole different world. You know how many times we've we seen a player that is dominant in the minor leagues or even in the Ontario Hockey League or whatever it is, and then they come to the NHL and they're just not the same. So as with every move, as with every youngster and prospect, it's a dangerous game. Um, but right now, it, it has felt like a distraction. And Klingberg hasn't been the same player. He's got one goal all season. Uh, I believe he has about 17 assists. So he's got some assists. He had some point streaks. But he has not been the same guy. And he's bounced around. He's played with different partners. Uh, Rick Bonus has called him out a couple times for his efforts in games, and then the, the next night he calls him out for how well he played. So it's just been a roller coaster for him. I feel bad for him. I really do. I love Klingberg. Uh, I think most fans love Klingberg. He's a he's not only a great player and fun to watch. He seems like a great guy. Uh, he's always smiling, making jokes, uh, and you know, just like Anton Hudobin, it would really be a bummer to lose him. Uh, but. It's also a business, and we understand the stars need to do what they have to do. My hope is that going forward, they at least communicate with him better, whether it's, you know, hey, we can't sign you for what you want. We might have to trade you, or whether it's we're, we're trying to figure out a way to do it, just communicating with him so that he doesn't feel like the organization that he's been with for so long is leaving him out to dry. You know, it reminds me of, uh, as silly as it is, it reminds me of Michael Scott in The Office, where he's been with the company for 15 years and he gets mad that he has to drive all the way to New York just to meet with his boss, where his boss won't take a phone call. And obviously that is a TV drama and a, you know, I don't know the situation, how it actually is, but it feels that way. And I feel for the kid. I really feel that I hope that he is able to get the respect he deserves and either re-sign with the stars or get the respect to he's already gotten um, Jim Nill is allowing him to talk to other teams. So he is talking to other teams. Uh, so whether it's with the stars or another team, I really hope he gets the deal that he deserves and he, you know, finds a place that he feels more comfortable. Um, who knows when it'll be kind of sitting and waiting here. Uh, I don't see the stars getting rid of him as early as people are saying, unless he is a distraction. You know, it's hard to know whether he's a distraction from the outside. Um, but, you know, they're they're still feeling like they have a run in them. And although they've been mediocre, and although they're still, you know, they sit uh, seventh in the, in, the, in the wild card race and are six points out of a playoff spot right now, they have those games in hand. They've seen their team play well, so they truly believe that they're going to be a playoff team. And uh, you know, as as the old you know cliche goes, a lot of people think that games forty through sixty are super important for a team. And a lot of times, you see a team by game forty, you've mostly figured out your team. So forty through sixty really shows you what kind of team you can be. We're gonna see. We're at thirty six, so we're getting up there. Uh, we're going to see what this team can really do. And if they are really a playoff team, um, it would be such a letdown if they weren't with all the contracts that are expiring with all the players, the veterans mixed with prospects, the depth, the goaltending, it really feels like this team needs to get into the playoffs to see what they can do on one more ride, uh, with some of these older guys, because like you're not going to see Radulov and Pavelski and Hudobin and Klingberg and all these guys come back next year. You're just not. You know, they might bring back one or two of them, 
but it's going to be a different looking team next year. And it could be a completely different looking team. If they miss the playoffs, they could let go of Joe Pavelski, even though he's still performing at such a high level. They could let go of Radulov. They could let Hudobin and Klingberg walk. They could trade some players and get rid of some of their older guys. You know, they got the Glenn Dennings and the, the Raffles and the more defensive players. Maybe Radek Foxa doesn't stay around because they want to get more offensive. It just feels like this is a do-or-die season for the team. And while it won't be a full rebuild by any means, it will be a very different looking team and a much younger team next season. So going forward, we are hoping for the best. We, as of now, have only seen mediocrity and really hope that this team is able to turn it around. It feels like they're there. And I know I'm an optimist as well as a fan of the team, um, but it feels like they are just right there and just need to get a few things squared away, and find that consistency they've been searching for. If they can, I think they're a playoff team. If not, I think they're going to miss out on the playoffs for the second straight year and really look back on this season as a lost opportunity. So anyway, as we've rambled on for 40 minutes here about the Stars, I want to thank you guys for coming back on Season 2. Uh, really, really excited to be doing it again. I'll be bringing on some guests soon. Don't worry. And uh, hoping that this will be a fun season and hopefully a more positive season as we go forward here with the Stars. We'll dive more into some other NHL things and maybe get that college hockey for for my college hockey fans next time. Uh, so I'll see you next time on the Slapshot Sammy podcast. Thanks so much. Take care.